Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Looking at these texts today, uh, I, I was trying to find a good solution and a good thing to tie them all together, and for some reason, a feast came to mind, a banquet came to mind, and there are times where we ask ourselves, how should we see God's word? Uh, there are times when you look in the Bible and you see things like water, and some people might say, well, not every reference to water is a reference to baptism. It's like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, if we know what baptism is, you look at the flood and say, well, that's kind of like baptism. Eight people were saved through water. Uh, the crossing of the Red Sea, that was water. And the entire nation of God's people, the Israelites, were delivered through water. And the waters came in and drowned hard-hearted uh, drowned hard-hearted, hard-hearted Pharaoh and all his men, and so saved them from uh, bondage and slavery. So when you look at banquets, I don't know, it's, it's not like it's just any other kind of banquet. It's not like it's just any other kind of feast. But whenever you see banquets in, the Lord, in, in God's word, we as Lutherans might just say, that might have something to do with the Lord's Supper, don't you think? Right? That might have something to do with Holy Communion. And so we see here, if that's the case, which I believe it is, just so you know, I believe that's the case. When you look at our text from Luke 14, and you, you see that um, there's a man that says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. As if it's something that is yet to come, right? And yet Jesus, at this point in his time on earth, has been saying the whole time, and even John the Baptist has been saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. The reign of God in Jesus Christ is here and now, right? That when this guy, who is meaning well, says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ... It, that future reality is present tense right now. That when we gather and we hear the word of God and we are given his body and blood, the body and blood of Christ, right now, to this day, this day we eat the bread of God, we eat the bread in the kingdom of God. And we are blessed as a result because that bread is the body of Christ. And Jesus tells him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field. In another translation, it says, I bought a piece of land, or I bought a, a, a piece of ground. <laughs> I think that's a better translation. I bought a piece of ground. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. <clears throat> so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And what did the master say? Oh, that's okay. 
Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, it's not a big deal. We'll catch you later. No, it says the master of the house became angry. He was wrathful. And he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And he says these things with our understanding that this is the Lord's Supper. Not only that, but if this is a foretaste of the feast to come, this is the banquet, the feast at the end of time. When Christ comes back and we celebrate in fullness the glory of God's victory where we will sing, this is the feast of victory, right? That the lamb who was slain now reigns, full and unhindered by sin. That on that last day, only the poor and the crippled and blind and lame, the beggars, are the only ones that get to come in. They're the only ones who get to come in because they see what it is that God is doing. They do not tell themselves, I have better things to do. They do not say, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. First of all, I, I was preparing for this and I read in my study Bible to kind of get a little idea here. In, in, the, study, in, in, the, Lutheran, in the Lutheran study Bible, it's a great study Bible, by the way. Uh, CPH is not paying me to say that, but it is a great study Bible. But I will say it, 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 it validates their excuses. But really, who buys a piece of land without seeing it? Who buys five yoke of oxen without examining them? And I married a wife and therefore I cannot come? Bring her along, right? Bring her along. It's no wonder that the master of the house becomes angry. And we get a little... You know, as, as a pastor and, and as Christians, you know, it's, it's everybody who's here, I'm preaching to the choir, right? You're here, right? You're here to taste of the banquet. And that's a good thing. But this is for y'all to know that there are still those who do not desire, that who still make excuses, and that our Lord says, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. This compelling is not, you know, enticing them in with gimmicks and, and, and fluff and programs or whatever that might get them to the door and they might stay, who knows? But the compelling comes from the Word of God. That the Word of God tells you, you're a sinner. You have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what you have done, by what you have left undone. You have not loved God with your whole heart and you have not loved your neighbor as yourselves, you need to repent and you need to be forgiven. That word of God compels. That law that tells you, you must do these things to be saved, but too bad for you, you haven't done enough. It's never enough. The law says there's never enough. No matter what you try to do, you can't save yourself. And yet the Lord still offers a banquet. 
the Lord still says, all the poor, crippled, blind, and lame, you come. Receive this good gift that I give you in faith that in the consumption of the body and blood of Christ, your sins are literally forgiven. You can taste and see that the Lord is good, forgiving your sins as you swallow the body and blood of Christ, that he now is becoming part of you by faith because he promised to, and you trust his word. And we get a little nervous when we hear texts like this because then we say, oh, but we don't want to push people away. Whoever's out there, we want them to come in, and so we don't want to be too harsh. Brothers and sisters in Christ, nothing is more harsh than saying nothing at all. Nothing is more harsh than leaving out the truth that in the end, the banquet will be held one way or another. On the last day, Christ will come and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And yet those who are forced to do so, not by their own will, but by God's will, against their fallen will, they will be shut out in the place of darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that will be a very sad day for them. And it's one that we do not wish for anybody. We wish, like God, that all would confess their sins, turn away from their sins, be forgiven of their sins, and believe that Jesus Christ has saved them. We don't want anybody shut out. And when we, when we simply shut down because we don't want to seem mean, when we don't want to go against the cardinal virtue of our world, which is niceness, we wind up falling short. We go out and we compel by the word of God that says, I am thankful that God has had mercy on me, a poor sinful being, that he might have mercy on me, that he might shed his blood for me, that I who was once far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ, that Christ has reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The dividing wall of hostility between us and God is gone. And everything within our church shows that this is so. And not just our church as the body of Christians, but within this actual church, and within a lot of Christian churches, you can see that this is so. In this place, it looks ordinary. It looks just like a table with some things on it, with some candles. Nice. It, it's kind of a nice place, but it's, it looks kind of basic in some ways, right? But here is where God is dwelling. Here is where God promises to be with his people. Here is where the body and blood of Christ are given for you. And that's what he used to do in the Old Testament. And this place was known as the Holy of Holies. But that place was only accessed by one person, and that was the high priest one time a year on the Day of Atonement. And there was this dividing wall. 
No one could come in here. No one could come in lest they die. Because to be in the presence of God without first being cleansed of your sins is it's death. It's the punishment. But Christ himself has taken on that punishment. Christ himself has taken on the wrath that we deserve onto his body. The dividing wall has been torn down. It is wide open for the world to see that this is where God, the Most High, is dwelling. And now because of this meal, those who are given it receive Christ within themselves. And within themselves, God, the Most High, dwells now. It is a beautiful mystery and one that God calls us to believe. That in, that in this great meal, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How wonderful is that? How great is that? So that now when you hear that, you look at this and you say, it's not just bread and wine. It's not just a little wafer. It's not just a little sip. It is the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Thanks be to God that we receive it, not to our condemnation, but to our salvation by faith, by trusting in his words that it is his body, it is his blood, so that we can drop all the things that would hinder us from coming here, so that we can say, yeah, you know, I bought that field, but it'll still be there. Yeah, I bought those five yoke of oxen, but they'll still be there. i got to come to church. i got to come to the feast. Yes, I've married a wife, and I'm going to bring her along too, right? No excuse is great to, to forego what God does here. Because in this place is a foretaste of the feast to come on the last day. That here, we're in kind of a rehearsal dinner, if you will, right? that the invited guests come and partake in practice for the day when we will eat the bread of God in fullness without the hindrance of sin, without the hindrance of death. And it will be a joyous day. So now we know by God's word that his table has been set we who were once far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. That by him, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Their teaching, the word of God tells us this is true. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone on which we build in faith. That without him, the building falls. It cannot stand. Because in him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So when you come and you are granted these good gifts of God, the body and blood of Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, remember what Christ has done for you. Remember what he continues to do and what he will do on that last day so that you will eat bread joyfully in his kingdom. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.